I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Two, one, happy 1999! 1999, the year many consider the best ever for cinema. With counterculture fare like Fight Club, Magnolia, American Beauty, The Matrix, and Three Kings taking critics and audiences alike for a wild ride. Then there was the more mainstream fare, with Star Wars Episode One disappointing fans left, right, and center, The Sixth Sense being one of the most buzzy titles of the year, and The Mummy gifting the world action hero Brendan Fraser. In a crowded 12 months full of quality filmmaking like that, one movie failed to make any impact, resulting in one of the biggest box office bombs in history. Eviscerated by critics, loved by a loyal minority, and based on the Michael Crichton novel Eaters of the Dead, The 13th Warrior remains a curiosity and a divisive swords and sandals picture in the attempted vein of Akira Kurosawa, from the director of Die Hard, no less. Grab your longsword and your favorite throat-ripping dog as we find out what the f*** happened to this movie. It begins with Crichton's novel Eaters of the Dead, one of his more obscure works published in 1976. Based in part on the epic poem Beowulf and historical accounts of the Volga Vikings, the story follows the court poet of Baghdad, being sent away as an ambassador to a Viking tribe. Instead, he finds himself waylaid, conscripted by another band of Vikings to undertake a hero's quest as the 13th member of their party, a non-Viking being required for mission success, according to their resident soothsayer. Journeying north to the home of King Rothgar, Ahmed and the band of warriors find themselves protecting the locals against the cave-dwelling, bearskin-wearing cannibals who relentlessly attack under cover of fog. With their brave leader, Bullywife, the Vikings lead an excursion into enemy territory and repel one final attack on King Rothgar's land before finally claiming victory. Thanks for watching Joe Blow Videos. If you enjoy our shows, please like and subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new videos go live. Now, back to the show. Crichton wrote the story after criticizing the epic poem Beowulf for being, quote, boring, or rather an entertaining story told poorly. Eaters of the Dead was his way of proving that the saga could be told in an exciting way, even if certain liberties were taken with the plot. The book received mixed reviews, with the New York Times calling it, quote, diverting but disappointing. Orion Pictures tried and failed to bring the tale to the big screen in 1979, with Crichton himself directing. But this did not come to pass, for reasons that remain unclear. Fast forward to the late 90s, and movies adapted from the works of Crichton are a hot commodity after Jurassic Park proves to be a smash hit at the worldwide box office. Twister, Congo, and Sphere all made the rounds during this decade, and everybody always looks back on 1973's Westworld fondly enough. So, in 1997, Disney opted for the 13th Warrior under its Touchstone Pictures banner. William Wisher and Warren Lewis were tasked with writing the screenplay, with the latter being a fan of Crichton's work. Lewis also expressed pride at being one of, if not the only, major American motion picture in the 20th century to portray a prayerful Muslim hero. John McTiernan, the legendary director of action classics like Die Hard and Predator, was brought on to direct. McTiernan had read the book when it came out in the 70s, and although he had some gripes with the plot, he was drawn to the main character not only being an Arab, but portrayed as, quote, an intelligent, well-educated, highly cultured man. man. Following Antonio Banderas' casting and filming on The Mask of Zorro, Banderas was brought in for the role of Ahmed, 
a decision that might make sense with the mid-90s filmmakers banking on Zorro being a success, but viewed through today's more culturally sensitive lens, feels awfully problematic when you consider that a Spanish actor was cast as an Arabian poet. To the production team's credit, they went about casting mostly authentic Scandinavian actors for the roles of the Vikings, although Czech actor Vladimir Kulich was installed as Viking leader Bullywife. Kulich initially met with McTiernan four months before he was offered the role, as the studio spent the intervening time looking for an alternative across the globe. Kulich was their last choice, a sentiment echoed by Michael Crichton himself, but when Stellan Skarsgård proved unavailable, Kulich was in. The rest of the 12 Vikings were picked from casting tapes, which concerned McTiernan at first, but when all were finally assembled in front of the cameras, the director was quite happy. Training took place in British Columbia, where the movie would eventually complete principal photography and substantial reshoots. The actors all participated in swordplay, archery, and riding training, although Coolidge admits that you can see in the movie he didn't quite get the hang of riding horses. To give the production a little prestige, the iconic Egyptian-born actor Omar Sharif was cast as Melchizedek, a friend to Ahmad who serves as his introduction to, quote, the Northmen, being able to communicate in Greek with the Vikings. Sharif, of course, is most well-known for his Academy Award-nominated role in Lawrence of Arabia and his Golden Globe-winning turn as Dr. Zhivago. Sadly, his experience on The 13th Warrior was enough to have Sharif temporarily retire from acting. He was quoted as saying, Bad pictures are very humiliating. I was really sick. It was terrifying to have to do the dialogue from bad scripts, to face a director who did not know what he was doing in a film so bad that's not even worth exploring. Ouch. Filming began in the summer of 1997 and was not without its problem. Dennis Storhe almost drowned in the filming of the underwater tunnel escape scene after becoming stuck behind a fabricated wall. Antonio Banderas himself had to rescue him seeing that all the color had drained from his skin after pulling him out. Storhe spent the next three days recovering. Coolidge states that the crew filmed under the worst conditions in British Columbia, but that the struggle is visible on film, which gives the film extra pathos. And he's got a point. The studio became unhappy when the production budget ballooned from $85 million to around 100. McTiernan has a track record of ballooning production budgets. Just ask the crew of Predator and the studio became unhappier still when test audiences didn't respond well to the initial cut. Michael Crichton himself stepped in, uncredited, for certain reshoots and extensive recutting, which caused the release of the movie to be delayed from 1998 to 1999, where it opened against The Sixth Sense. Guess how that went? More on that later. Those reshoots and re-edits further increased the budget, which, along with marketing costs, is estimated to have been around $160 million. Crichton also brought with him composer Jerry Goldsmith, who replaced Graham Revell for a score that's described as more crashing and banging than what was removed. Vladimir Kulich says that at one point, a whole year after principal photography, that he was filming two reshoots at the same time. One ending with McTiernan, and another with Crichton. Kulich sadly looks back on the end of the production as, quote, two brilliant guys acting like children, each telling Kulich not to worry about what the other guy was shooting. They each wanted different takes on the matriarch of the Wendos, with McTiernan wanting a fearsome she-witch and Crichton wanting someone more attractive. The end result is something more in the middle, with the way Crichton shot the sequence winning out. Salt was further put on the wound where the studio, either Disney or Touchstones, it's a little unclear, decided to rename the movie from the widely enjoyed Eaters of the Dead 
to The 13th Warrior to match the film's PG-13 tone. There still exists a teaser trailer where the original title appears, although it definitely advertises the movie as much more of a horror piece, which is likely exactly why Disney and or Touchstone got nervous. Coolidge says he asked Michael Crichton why the title got changed from the epic Eaters of the Dead, to which Crichton replied that his neighbor had told him the title was too scary while he was watering his lawn. Quote, there's no arguing with Michael Crichton. Fair enough. Funnily enough, part of the reshoots involved adding more gore in order to achieve an R rating, as the studio felt that the people who were likely going to see the movie were the kind of people wanting to see blood and guts in their Viking sword and sandals picture. Before he was ultimately superseded by Crichton, McTiernan obliged with some hastily added scenes of gore, which he admits added little to the story. So much for the PG-13 title. The movie's plot hews fairly close to the plot of the novel, and Crichton himself is quoted as being quite pleased with the film, which should come as little surprise considering he had the privilege of final cut. McTiernan argues that Crichton's ending made little sense, with a heretofore unseen character appearing to duel with Bullywife, the leader of the Wendells, the cannibalistic tribe our heroes fight throughout the movie. He also mentions being barred from featuring too many scenes dwelling on Ahmed's status as an Arab, going so far as to be prevented from using Arabic music. After two years of shooting, reshooting, and recutting, the 13th Warrior didn't even have a premiere, much to the chagrin of the cast. As previously mentioned, it opened in August of 1999, on the same weekend as The Sixth Sense, with a 102-minute runtime and an initial box office take of a paltry $10.2 million. It sputtered along, only managing a $61 million worldwide haul, meaning a loss of around $100 million when all was said and done. While the 13th Warrior achieved some measure of a following when it ultimately hit home video, the writing was already on the wall as to its financial success, or lack thereof. Critics didn't treat the 13th Warrior well either, mostly arguing it focused more on plot than character, to its detriment. It currently sits at a meager 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, its summary being, quote, atmospheric, great sets and costumes, but thin plot. CNN critic Paul Tatara points out the film's obvious Kurosawa influence, although argues that, quote, the script lacks the dignity that infuses Kurosawa's equally bloodthirsty characters. Perhaps John McTiernan's cut would have provided a little more screen time for some of the more unserved characters, but we'll never know for sure. Roger Ebert gave the movie one and a half out of four stars, stating that the 13th Warrior, quote, lumbers from one expensive set piece to the next without taking the time to tell the story that might make us care. Yikes. He also argued that, quote, it's a little unsettling to sit through nonstop slaughter and then witness a pious conclusion that celebrates a useful servant of God. Meanwhile, Joe Blow himself slapped a 5 out of 10 on it, recommending audiences to go check out Antonia Bird's Ravenous instead. Audiences have been a little kinder, with the audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes a more generous 66%. That outlook is getting kinder all the time, as more viewers discover the 13th Warrior on account of its cult status. Kudos to the fans who rightfully declare the movie to be underrated. McTiernan's lengthy 127-minute cut will likely never be seen. My